The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to end it if I can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. Now then, you're very welcome back. So we're busy over the next hour. We're going to be talking Republic of Ireland, Scotland in just a few moments' time. We will keep you up to date with everything going on across the day's sport. Already we've seen Cork beat Limerick in the GAA. We have more Trasny Kallig and Ross Munley watching the game from Clonus and more Tras. So we've had a hell of an early start there. Um, yeah, I just did a stereotypical jump out of my seat and oh my God, not even 20 seconds on the clock. And um, we have a goal already and I have Ross Munley here and even Ross is looking very excited as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if you can hear me. Yeah, oh, We can't. Loud and clear, Ross. Yeah, delighted to be here. Uh, blistering start to this game. Um, uh, goal inside the first 60 seconds, pretty much straight from the straight from the throw-in. So that's exactly what Armagh would have wanted. Um, Donegal trying to respond from the Ulster final defeat. So they'll they'll take that as a big setback and Armagh are flying forward here with Charlie O'Burns. Yeah, I'm just I think it was a long now again it happened so fast because watching the throw in and you know when a game throws in you're just kind of getting your bearings all of a sudden I think it was a long ball in from Reno O'Neill into the hands of Rory Grugan into net at about eighteen seconds to now Donegal have a point on the clock yet but we were just talking Ross just before you came in about how this is going to be a pivotal game for both sides and this really is not the start that Donegal need a team really that have been accused of promising a lot but not delivering. Yeah, exactly. And I think over the last couple of weeks, um, maybe both sets of management um, under a little bit of scrutiny simply because this Donegal team have been around for a long time. They'll have been really disappointed with their performance and in particular the result the last day out. And then, I suppose on the flip side, people wondering when are this Armagh team finally going to sort of push over the line on the big days and get to the latter stages of the important competitions. And um, it's it's one of them are going to, I guess, they're going to um, take the pressure off themselves with, with a result this evening. Um, Armagh are in the driving seat here at the moment. But uh, the one thing about this game is that the longer it goes on and the tighter that it is, uh, I do think Donegal have that experience and that ability to grind out the results on the big day when maybe this Armagh team are just trying to find find that little bit to get them over the line in the big games. Well, Donegal are powering it, powering through now and they're on in there for a point now. So at the moment, it's Armagh, one goal and Donegal there have two points. Yes, so um, it's very early doors. So we got very excited that very quickly. So we're going to try and calm down. We might hand mm-hmm. back to you, Joe, for a while and catch our breath and actually analyse this game properly rather than be overexcited jumping yeah. over desks. No, you guys pause for breath. Keep an eye on that. Already more action in that game than the entirety of Donegal against Derry in the Ulster final. So hell of a start at Clonus. We're going to turn to the Republic of Ireland 3, Scotland nil now. An extraordinary uh, result, much needed for Stephen Kenny. He was talking after the game in his post-match press conference about Michael Obafemi and what he brought to the team and what we can expect maybe for Tuesday's game in Poland against Ukraine. I haven't watched him play in the run of games. I watched him quite a bit towards the end of the season. His performances were the best of all our strikers. Um, you know, his, his overall performances for Swansea towards the end of the season were were the best of, of our strikers. Uh, you know, if I was to rate them, you know, they were that they were very good. So it wasn't a surprise that he came in and what was with Mike 
you know, it's just the four-week gap between, four five-week gap between that and and the first game, and then the fact that he'd not been in the squad before, and then trying to come in and uh, integrate with the group, and obviously played for two halves or two half hours, and then he came in then today, and um, so there was an integration there to understand the way we play and so forth. But he. Um, you know, hopefully he. We'll see how he is for Tuesday because, obviously, Tuesday. My mind is really. I've moved on already from the game as such, because um, my mind is very fixed on Tuesday uh, against the Ukraine, and um, that's really at the forefront of my mind at the moment. And we have a few players that are looking like they're struggling a bit, and um, obviously Shane Duffy's suspended, and uh, we're not sure about. Unlikely to have the availability of John Egan. Um, so, um, so we have a few things to sort of get right for uh, for Tuesday. Okay, so Tuesday does loom large, but uh, certainly a bit of breathing space for Stephen Kenny and this Irish team. Very happy to say that David Connolly is with us. You're there, David. I am. Good afternoon. Great to have you with us, and Shane Keegan as well. Shane, how you doing? We get on, Joe. Well. Very well. So one of the stats, David, you've popped up in all the Irish papers today, believe it or not, because uh, for the first time since 1997, two players aged 21 or under have scored for Ireland in a competitive game, Troy Parrott and Obafemi. And yeah. in Reykjavik, it was David Connolly and... Yeah, Mark Kennedy. Good yeah, man. I know this one. I know this. I know this. Uh, I, I, I saw it as well. Wheeled out. So, no, they were, they were happy days and... Um, um, it's just it's just really good because, you know, look, I think I said this, what, five days ago. Uh, 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 I probably said it, you know, two months ago, I would have started Oberfemi. doesn't mean I'm right and I take any pleasure in that. But, you know, to be honest, Stephen should have started him in, in the Armenia game, as I said the, the, the other day. Uh, the good thing is he got his head. He, he played. The lads were a lot better. Um, I think he made the right calls. He got more goals on the pitch. And and it's um, yeah now now you know we can move on from 1997. They can you know there's a new there's some new younger lads coming through, uh, you know banging banging the goals in and, and looking good. So that's good. Shane, biggest difference in the Irish performance yesterday versus the previous two matches. Biggest difference was the quality in the key moments at at either end of the field. Really, Joe, to be honest with you, because I could actually put forward an argument that they're you know in, in the general uh, the general grand scheme of the overall game I know it sounds mental to say but if you look at kind of some of the key metrics they're actually you know we, we didn't um, we actually dominated well not dominated numbers wise we showed up better in the Ukraine game probably than we did in this one um, but and look I was going to say without trying to sound like I'm getting carried away but I am going to get sound like I'm getting carried away like I, I, I would struggle to to ever remember a, a better goal by an Ireland player or a better assist by an Ireland player. Um, they were two incredible, incredible moments of quality. The goal obviously speaks for itself. Um, I know Buffemi apparently made a bit of a joke that he, he feels that the pass is almost getting overlooked because uh, the goal that he followed up with was even better. I disagree. I think the pass was even better. I thought the, the pass was sensational to try Parrot. Absolutely sensational. To have the composure to spot it, one, have the vision to spot it, um, and then to put it into the absolute perfect area. Um, they were two, two of the most, two probably two of the most high quality moments 
I can remember any any Irish player producing. Um, if you remove those two moments, um, we got very very lucky with some very very poor finishing um, from Scotland. We definitely we definitely gave away more chances against Scotland than we did in the other two games combined, um, really, and we were quite lucky on that front. So. Um, that was the, the key difference, I suppose, which tends to be the most important thing in a match, Joe, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it is extraordinary how chances being taken and not taken change the complexion of games. With Ireland at 1-0, and for, I think, the third time on 26 minutes, gifting mm. Scotland a chance by trying to play out from the back. McGinn didn't take that chance, and literally a minute later, we see that goal of huge quality, which you talk about, the Obafemi assist and the brilliant Troy Park run and finish that happened a minute after McGinn could easily have equalised for Scotland and we would Shane be bemoaning this Irish team gifting Scotland chances and scratching our heads and navel gazing about the entire approach once again 100% Joe 100% and that's why as I say look I will laud those two fantastic moments of quality but it's important that we don't get carried away and lose the run of ourselves in the very very same manner that it's important we didn't get carried away and lose the run of ourselves on the back of the the two defeats either because like the the boom to bust cycle just it has to stop it's madness and and again you know the, the scoreboard journalism it drives me absolutely crazy it really really does if 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 ireland had lost those first two games and delivered horrendous performances in which they were clearly miles and miles second best, then I could understand some talk of there being pressure on, on Stephen Kenny. But in both of those games, we showed up quite well when you look at some of the important numbers, which I know certain other journalists made a point of saying they don't like uh, too many talk around those numbers yesterday. But we did. We did quite well, but we did poorly in the key moments. This time round, it was the exact opposite. We actually didn't do as well on some of the key numbers, but we did do extremely well on, on the one number that, that mattered most. But it can't just be boom, bust, boom, bust, Joe. Like, I would think, I would think, you, you've just played Stephen's interview there, I would think with the few bodies that were going to be down, um, with Ukraine probably being a lot stronger than they were first time around us, I mean, I, I would find it hard to see how we're not going to be bet um, on Tuesday night. And and so be it. Like, we might be bet by a couple of goals. Hopefully we give a decent account of ourselves. But if, if we do lose the game, again, it's not the end of the world. And if we, likewise, if we played fantastically and won the game, it's not the end of the world. Like, we have to start judging people over over a run of at least half a dozen games rather than two, you know. And what are those key numbers or metrics that you reference, Shane? Yeah, well, I mean, if you take, for example, in the in the the Ukraine game, um, as I say, look, I did read a piece in one of the papers yesterday where where they were having a real bash at, at people throwing out XG because I think Stephen might have. I'm sure he regrets it, but I think Stephen might have thrown out XG himself after the game the other night. Um, I mean, it was 1.86 to 0.80 to Ireland the other night, which on XG means we were a full goal better um, than the Ukraine. Whereas this time round, it was 1.17 to 1.09, which suggests that game should have been a draw against Scotland yesterday. Um, and I can understand how you could see it being a draw because they had some very, very good chances, Joe. Whereas, I mean, the Michael Obafemi one, that's not even a chance. Like, that's a, that's a once-in-a-lifetime strike. Yeah. Um, and and other, you know, other stuff like that, we'd only 45% possession of the ball yesterday. Um, Shane Duffy, Shane Duffy probably sums up the game um, best in that Shane Duffy had the highest pass completion rate on the pitch yesterday he had 55 successful passes from 57 attempted we're all able to point to the two that weren't the two successful ones because on both occasions it should have ended up in the back of the net Um, and yet you remove those two moments from it and Shane Duffy had a great game absolutely super game Um, so yeah look it was it there was a lot to be good about I mean 
I don't know what David thought, but but our attempts to play out yesterday, ugh, we looked very, very shaky. Um, and on the flip side, our attempts to stop them from playing out were very poor. They managed to get out through our initial press time and time again. Um, and again, Stephen kind of half-referenced that, I suppose, in his, his post-match. He definitely wasn't getting carried away and, and definitely felt that there was areas that needed needed big improvement. So, yeah. look, try an even keel, Joe. Try and keep an even keel. It's not how the media works, Shane. You should know that by <laughs> David, Shane's absolutely right though that sliding doors moment on 26 minutes versus 27 minutes where McGinn misses the chance and Parrott finishes that amazing assist from Obafemi and even the Obafemi strike these are uh, moments which change games and you'd have that innate sense of being part of so many matches where the flow is completely changed by somebody taking a chance or somebody not taking a chance and for whatever reason it went Ireland's way yesterday on that front Yeah, that's right And and I think to be honest what was more important was was a result you know, was a result. What I would say is that, you know, Stephen, any Ireland manager is going to have to, he will be judged by, by his ability to extract the most out of those players. But that also means his team selection really comes under scrutiny more so than I think maybe some other countries because we're not blessed with an awful lot of players in particular positions. I do think he got it wrong. I understand what Shane's saying, but he got it wrong against Armenia, 100%. He picked the wrong starting team. You know, I know he might favour Callum Robinson and, you know, one or two others. There is no way in my mind Callum should have started that game. That game was for Michael Obafemi to start away from home, bed himself in. I listened to that interview and he said, Michael, you know, maybe he needed time to, you know, to integrate. Michael's been, yeah, he doesn't, he's got the confidence, you know, as, as we heard there. He doesn't need any time to integrate. You throw him in. I mean, I was thrown in. Mark Kennedy was thrown in. Shay Given was thrown in. You know, Robbie Keane, I can put the list of lads thrown in. If we had to keep waiting for the perfect moment, we were, you know, Ireland didn't, Mick McCarthy couldn't wait. And had, so had, to, had Callum Robinson's form late last year not earned him a certain amount no, of credit he, in the he, bank, he, no? He, no? No, no. No, but that's the, 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 okay. That's a different. That's a different discussion. Once you start talking about credit in the bank, you're on a slippery slope. Well, it's, it's not credit from five years ago. It's credit from scoring hat tricks and scoring multiple goals, like yeah, I, in no, his most I, recent I, games. In I, fairness, I, you know. No, no I know. Look, I, look. I've been a striker myself. What you say? If Callum's your number one, you say Callum, you're my number one, yeah. right? But you're not. You're not starting the Armenia game because you know you haven't had a lot of football, but. You know, you're making impact off the bench. Mm, you know, okay. and then and then we'll get you into the team that way. But I tell you what, Michael's done very well at club level. We're away from home. Pressure will be less. I'm going to see what he's like. Fair enough. Yeah. You know? And look, that is. I think that is. It, it, this comes down to squad management and extracting the most. The nuances of managing personalities, like how he manages Obafemi. You know, talking about his assist and his goal is because he's Michael in his eye. You can tell has the ego. He sees himself. 100% as a starting player. And it's now up to Stephen, whether he can manage that ego that that Michael has to deliver. And I think he was worried about starting him against Armenia, probably thinking if he comes in and he starts straight off the bat, maybe his ego will become too big. And so I'll manage that and I'll introduce him off the bench. Whereas I think you've got to put that, and it, it, you're overthinking it a little bit. I think, look, it worked out against Scotland, don't get me wrong. Mm. And the goal, the goal was incredible and those two worked him and Troy worked worked really well and they can be a, ro- a real threat. But I do think you have to really... 
But when you're that island manager, you need the very most out of scant. You don't have much. And it's not just, it's not just, you know, you can't just keep referring to credit in the bank. You can't. You can't. You have to, you have to also reward those players that are in form and give them the opportunity and see if they take it or they fail, knowing that, well, you know what? I've managed the squad. I've managed Callum. I've managed, you know, whoever else, Chidozi or Wilkin. I've managed them. So massage their ego as well, knowing that they're going to come on and still play a part. But I'm, I'm going to give Obafemi the chance, you know. Mm. And I think you could say, I wouldn't say he got lucky in terms of Obafemi's performance because I, I said like weeks and weeks ago I'd be starting Obafemi. Mm. But what if he what if he hadn't scored yesterday or assisted? You know, what if he just you know? So I still think he played the wrong call. He should have got him in. And I think what what worries me about Stephen a little bit is he overthinks things too much. And at times you play the players that are in form, give them a chance. They shouldn't need to necessarily, you know, have to overcome people with loads of credit in the bank. Because uh, I think as Ireland manager, that's a difficult that's a difficult place to put yourself in. Was Mick McCarthy in your time though not guilty of that? And I say guilty in a good way. I mean you'd have players like Jason McAteer out of club out of in, in no kind of club form, but Mick was loyal to them and actually they responded. And you know, there's there's nothing to say that a Callum Robinson type wouldn't respond to a bit of loyalty shown from a manager. Yeah, so you know th- these are the intricacies I suppose. He's, he's exactly the, every situation there is no black and white on any of this you know but Mick would have known say um, you know how how maybe Jason was feeling how he looked in training you know the mentality of in the mentality of someone else coming into the coming into the team um, you know knowing if he could start me and drag me off after 20 minutes would would he lose me for the next you know would I be a, a pain in training no you know mm. so you know all those little nuances of managing um, I'm not saying you don't always have those players with credit in the bank and are loyal to them but it's that is the art of I think the art of being an international manager is is a lot of it is to do with how you how you you know cope with these players in terms of you know utilizing them those that are playing those that are not playing because that is it's it's not an England team where they're all playing every weekend in the Premier League it's not like that and this is the skill set that you need as the manager and if you're going to be saying Michael needs time to integrate he didn't need time to integrate Look, I played for Southampton. I know the Southampton staff. Michael has got no problem integrating. He has got the belief in himself, and and I think I think Stephen was just, I, I you know, I, I take exception to that point. I don't think he needed time yeah. whatsoever. He could have hit the ground running against Armenia. Well, I think his performance yesterday vindicates that viewpoint. Fellas, stay with us. Very interesting chat. We're going to check in on the latest in Clonus. More trust in your colleague watching. Yeah, there's just over 90 minutes gone, Joe. It is Armagh 1-2, Donegal 8 points. So while Armagh got off to the blistering start, I'm not sure Ross Munley's here watching it with me, Ross. Which uh, Bonish door do you think is happiest at the moment? Oh, definitely, I think Donegal, given the way that they've come right back into this game, uh, they've eight scores in comparison to Armagh's three. And the early goal was a was a massive setback, but uh, the way that they've settled, they've used their their experience, and they're operating Michael Murphy on the edge of the square, and and they're actually able to mix it up in terms of ball going in long to him, where he's causing hassle. Uh, he was fouled. Uh, 
there's a couple of scores come off it and then a couple of nice points from play as well so they look like they have uh, a more unpredictable scoring threat in terms of getting the ball in close to goals but also kicking points from out further field whereas Armagh seem to be trying to work the ball uh, through midfield and into the half forward line to, to rely on scores so uh, I think they will be I think yeah Donegal will be just that bit happier at the moment Yeah and they've just kicked Armagh have just kicked another wide there that kind of goes to prove your point there Ross that it just seems that um, Armagh are finding it a bit more difficult they're a bit slower now getting into the scoring zone which means Donegal have plenty of time to get back and mind the house and now Donegal are on the attack again Okay, so that's Donegal leading by five with 20 minutes on the clock. Regular updates coming your way. We're chatting with Shane Keegan here and David Connolly. David, just uh, one point. You're worrying me there because you're mentioning Obafemi's ego a few times. I mean, he's going to be feeling pretty good about himself this morning, I would think. And we have seen previous managers, and that's managers plural, publicly admonish Obafemi publicly about his attitude at times. I have to say, it comes across yesterday as... Uh, full of joy and charisma and, and incredibly likeable in all his post-match interviews after the game. Is there a slight worry there that he could get a bit ahead of himself or what's the issue? No, no, not at all. What I mean is every, everyone will have an ego. Every one of these players will, will feel that they want to be starting games, you know, and and Michael's no different. I think when I mean managing the, the ego or the, the, the personality of these players, because they'll all want to play. They'll all feel they, they should be playing. And you know, maybe it, it, it was a case of for Stephen thinking, oh, I won't start him against Armenia. As he said in his interview, he just he kind of just said it. He'd just come into the team. So what? So what if he'd just come in and it's his first time around? I don't think we have the time to to wait and, and, and give the perfect moment to players like Michael Oberfemi. Okay. And I, I think Michael, at times, he does have hamstring trouble, right? Now, he's got to make sure he looks after his body, looks after himself. You know, he's professional. Um, but no, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's got an, an ego. I think it's great to have someone charismatic who believes in himself. You know, you've got to embrace that. Not, not, not think that, that that's a, he's got an ego that's too big. It's an attitude problem. I don't mean it like that. I mean okay. more in terms of, 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 of every player will have a certain ego. But, but he almost felt like he had to keep him in check by not starting against Armenia, like he had to earn his stripes. I think the goals he got in the championship towards the end of the season earned him that start against Armenia okay. like they earned him the start against Scotland Okay, fair point uh, Shane, you mentioned the different numbers which which suggest mm. actually Ireland you know, you, you couldn't say it was an utterly dominant performance in spite of what the scoreboard um, suggests that said there did seem just to the eye there did seem to uh, well with Knight dropping into that central midfield area when Ireland didn't have the ball there seemed to be a more solid look to Ireland but more to the point there seemed to be an aggression about Ireland and there was an energy about Ireland and they were they were just more difficult to play against probably exemplified by Malumbi and that energy and that attitude which I didn't think was there I was at the stadium against Ukraine and Ireland were almost sluggish and they never got in the faces of Ukraine whereas they really did against Scotland yesterday and sometimes you wonder if we're so fixated with trying to play progressive football we can forget about that other very important important aspect of the game and Malumbi certainly didn't yesterday I thought he I thought he did so well Joe I, obviously he got the, the little nick of the ball in um, in the build up to the Obafemi goal he actually if you look back as well he also got a, a, a great tackle in in the build up to, to James McLean's cross for the, the Scott Hogan one that was cleared off the line um, you said Kevin Knight or Jason Knight I always call him Kevin the brother um, you said Jason was was Jason Knight dropped in when, when Ireland didn't have the ball I'd go a step further I, I think it was a proper change of shape yesterday I think obviously you know that three centre backs and two wing backs were still in play 
pace but up until now we've had what I'd call two sixes and then two tens behind the nine um, yesterday it was it was more a case of a designated six and, and two eights either side of him kind of ratting around the place trying to be as energetic and, and in your face as possible and I thought it worked brilliantly I thought it worked brilliantly for the middle of the field um, both Knight and, and Malumbi as you said the energy getting into people's faces and, and still having proper quality in the ball Knight, Knight finished behind Duffy with the, the second highest pass completion rate on the field he, he uses it so so well um, so he, he plays a slightly different role than Malumbi as you say Malumbi's is probably a little bit more um, his strengths are well yesterday his strengths were, were when the opposition had the ball um, whereas Knight was more kind of his strengths were when we had the ball but they were a really good balance they allowed Cullen just to sit there and knock the ball around um, and then the big one of the huge pluses for it Joe was we, we had a proper front two um, which I think we have been screaming out for because we've we've never quite managed to get the balance maybe fully right there um, but with Troy playing right up alongside Michael Obafemi I thought they were excellent and the other thing with a two like that is Joe it's, it's very interchangeable if you look at who didn't play yesterday um, you know you would think right Callum Robinson is a really good like for like replacement for Parrot those two now have a, a battle on maybe as to which one of those two starts um, as good and all as, as, as Obafemi was yesterday and he was outstanding we have to remember how good Agbene has been for us too so there's a real good battle now between the two of those to, mm-hmm. to try and see who's the man to play that role and obviously we've still got Adam Ida who, who had been very impressive for Ireland um, prior to his injury to come back in there so there's some real good competition for places in terms of those two Um, and the one thing that worked extremely well yesterday Joe and I don't know whether it was by accident or by design but we we killed them down their right hand side. We really really overloaded them down our left. If if you look at uh, back at it and even again I'm just looking at some of the stuff here and it gives a an average touch map let's call it. Knight Knight played higher uh, in the midfield three. Knight played higher on the left than than Malumbi did on the right. Yes. Uh, Parrot Parrot played off of Obafemi's left. And James McLean played higher on the left as a wing back than Alan Brown did in the right. So you had you had four bodies in that top left hand corner. Whitehawk did really really well. I mean, I've got lynched before for for the fact that I, I just I just love James McLean. I just I know what I know his strengths. I know his weaknesses. I'm well aware of his weaknesses. But I thought he was so good again. Yes, I thought the cross for for Scott Hogan was was top top notch. And to me, I would have him. I would have him a good bit ahead of Ender Stevens in the pecking order for that left wing back spot now, to be honest with you, so I would. But I thought I thought we were excellent down that left-hand side. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny, because like, there, there wasn't a symmetry between Knight and Malumbi when Ireland had the ball. That's why it, it did look like Knight was playing a slightly different position, but he, yeah. his interpretation of it was was just that bit different. But Malumbi really gave Ireland something uh, in other respects. I, I'd be inclined to almost agree, uh, David. What do you think on, on the McLean point? I mean, even for the first goal... It was McLean with his right foot who put in that really good cross that was flicked out for a corner. And, you know, there's this never-ending debate about the quality of the players. And and we we talk far too often about Irish players, like in that moment, say, putting in a cross, they'll put in a bad cross and we'll sort of dismiss it as, oh, it's just an uncharacteristic mistake. But you are what you continually do. And for too long, too many Irish players continually have bad touches, make bad passes or don't put in a good cross. Like McLean does have a bit of quality about him for all the misgivings. Yeah, yeah, oh, of course. And look, he's got he's got that experience. But I think the next, just touching on, on some of the things Shane's talking yeah. there, that the next evolution is interesting about, about the refinement of players in those positions. Because I don't think Ogbené is a natural replacement for Michael Obafemi. I think 
me personally, I prefer Ogbené raiding down the wing. But that's my personal opinion whenever I've watched him. I think he's done well for Ireland down through the middle. But Obafemi has to start. And, and, and I would have I would have Chidozi raiding down the right-hand side. And whether that's as a wing-back, he can operate. You wouldn't call it cheating, but in, in football terms, you, you, you kind of call it cheating where, yeah. you know, he's your, he's your outball at times, knowing if you've got enough cover in the middle of the park, whether it's Malumbi or Cullen, or when he goes down that side, that we're not a little bit there. And then Alan Brown would be a one to come into the middle of the park to operate as another eight. And, and can I just interrupt 10. there for a second? So uh, assuming everybody's fit, what are you saying to Matt Doherty and or Seamus Coleman? Yeah, that is the challenge. Yeah, that, that would be the challenge. Whether, whether Matt is, um, is, you know, we have to wait and see. Matt, Matt's obviously had some, you know, he's been in and out of the team. He's had, he's had some injury issues. We don't know if he's going to stick with the three. You say he sticks with the back three, yeah. then, it would be, then it would be wing backs. But I, I, just, I don't think, for me personally, I don't think Obene's best position with what we've got would be taking one of those two central striker roles. But I would still have him on the pitch for his creativity. So how do you get him in the pitch? with everything else you've got. It's either as a wing back or it's either him or Brown as one of those sort of eight stroke tens because at times Cullen will be joined by another one to make a two and then there'll be one in front. And and, and, and I, I would have to say, like, he, he has done well when he's played down through the middle, but I, I, I would prefer to see him raiding down the right. And I think when you've got a front two that we have, not to have him in the team and supplying using that creativity uh, i think we're, we're missing it could either be that you play like a three it could be you go back to a front three but i certainly wouldn't necessarily be swapping him out for an Obafemi, in my opinion hmm. where does yesterday leave hendrick then shane yeah i, I again to be honest with you joe I, I i think hendrick will would benefit from that change of shape because to me he is better as uh, one of two eights than he is as as a six um I, I think at times he he gets a little bit lost in terms of what his duties are when it's the build-up phase in his own half i think he's very very good once we get over the halfway line and he's facing the play and he's got to try and find those kind of true balls i think he does that an awful lot better i think he at times he was getting in, in josh cullen's way um so i think i, I think he's going to have a battle on his hands um it, you would say it's between him Malumbi and possibly Alan Brown, even though Alan Brown did quite well as a, as a right wing back yesterday, I think more I would be expect him to more so battle for one of those two eight positions. I think Matt Doherty slash as David has just made the, the argument for possibly even like Benny on the right hand side if everybody was fit. Um, but I, I again I thought he got a bit of unfair grief, uh, Joe Hendrick. I thought he was he was trying to make things happen in those two games. Sometimes it came off, sometimes it didn't. But he you know he was always trying to do the right thing. I think he's just got a battle a battle on his hands but I think if he can get into the side I think he would benefit from that slight change of shape yeah like Hendrick on the ball has often been like he's been very good for Ireland over the last year much 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 improved and on the ball even against Armenia and at times against Ukraine he looked one of the more likely players to produce a passive quality to unlock a defence but he doesn't have Malumbi's tenacity off the ball and so that's I mean if you could combine the two of them maybe that's what you'd be looking for I suppose and maybe David it depends on who the opposition at times like we're talking here as if we're going to find the perfect solution and that's us we're good to go now we've cracked the code yeah. and sometimes yeah. the analysis doesn't uh, re- reflect the fact that we're going to play different opposition all the time No and, and also you got to remember when he was playing those two games Armenia, Ukraine you know he was playing in a in a flat two and and 
I know it looks good on paper. You put two two midfielders to cover the width of the pitch. It's it's not possible. Right. It's not possible. That's why you you know you, you they had to go with an extra man in the midfield, whether it was changing to a, a four three three or the shape that he chose the other day, because you know you can't cover that whole expanse of pitch. You know, especially if you if you're playing with wing backs who are trying to make the ground out wide, it's just you need another another one in there. And also, Jeff is is one of those that didn't have a very good time at QPR, didn't work out. You know, was out of the team. Um, and I thought actually his passing was at times was pretty good. You know, so I wouldn't be necessarily p- putting him to one side and forgetting about uh, about Jeff. But again, I just think I'm not sure I would have started with Jeff for all, all those other reasons. I would have gone with maybe against your Armenians with kind of a, t- a team that he selected for this Scotland game, you know, and and maybe those that have been playing and that are, are, are fit, are firing, are coming in, they hit the ground running, bang, go on then, you, you know, you've, you've done well, go and show me what you've got, knowing that those experienced lads are in the wings waiting behind, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, we've got the experience of those players to come on, you know, those clutch moments and, and, and we'll just see. But look, it, it's worked out how it's worked out, but, 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 you know, those lads will still have an awful lot to give with a shallow squad. Because when is Matt going to be fit the yeah. whole time, Matt Doherty? When is Seamus going to be fit the whole time? You know, Ogbené, there's going to be times where I'd be amazed if the whole of that right side of the pitch is fit, you know, is fit and available. But when it is, great, he'll have a decision to make, you know. And if Callum's banging in goals for West Brom, great, that's, you know, or somewhere else, that's even better. But... You know, I think I think it's good that there's lads now that have come on and scored for Ireland because then it's like, OK, it's almost like now Stephen feels that if he selected Michael Obafemi and not someone else or some, another player, he's vindicated. But I don't think you need that vindication anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, perfect I think, sense. I think you go with your belief of, no, he's, he's earned that, you know, give him it. And as I said, the next evolution will be, you know, maybe Alan Brown, he's done well and he has played that role for Preston out wide. But it could be his him as an eight or a ten, obviously, as he's done previously, because he gets goals, right? Mm. He gets goals. He he times his runs in the box, and you need goal scorers on the pitch. You need players with goals, you know, because we're not blessed with many. I think you go back to the other the other couple of games, we, we had players starting who had like four goals between them, you know, and and at least Alan Brown, you get him on the pitch, he he's a goal threat, you know, McLean. Is a goal threat. Chidozi is a goal threat. Obafemi is a goal threat. You know, you, you get goals on the pitch, which I, which I think is important for all the, you know, whether, you know, talk about other little bits and pieces. You do need some goals on the pitch. Joe, David says there just about, about Adam Brown's goal. If you look back, actually, it, it's a very, very well-worked set-piece. It really, really is. I mean, you know, I would have had a little bit of a concern recently that our, our set-pieces had had dropped off a bit and I was kind of maybe putting two and two together and coming up with five that, you know, had it anything to do with Anthony Barry being yeah. gone from the scene. He was a he was a guy who was hugely into set-pieces. But uh, Alan Brown and John Egan as well, actually, they both make a run as that ball is coming in. That, that run can only ever be because the is that Duffy can head it back across the six-yard box for them to come on to the second ball um, and it worked out perfectly. McLean's flight ball in was brilliant. Duffy's Duffy's ability, Joe, to get in the end of things is absolute. It's just crazy. Like oh. over the course of the three games, he he has he has. I think I'm right in saying he he was 
most most touches in the box for Ireland yesterday and most touches in the box for Ireland against Armenia and one off uh, I think Ogbeni had one touch more than him inside the 18 yard box in the first game it's like you know he's there you know the threat but opposition teams just don't seem to be able to deal with it yeah he's brilliant both boxes as well he seems to clear his fair share as well doesn't he uh, stay with us fellas we're checking back in at Clonus so this game has ebbed and flowed where are we now Oh, wow. Where are we now? It has swung back and forth like a pendulum, Joe. We've 36 minutes on the clock. They're going to play four minutes additional time. It is Armagh 2-8, Donegal, nine points. And Ross Munley, all I can say is we had an interesting scenario which I can only describe as absolute scenes. Can you explain to us how Sean Patton ended up on a black card and why we had an outfield player in for a penalty that Armagh managed to score? Yeah, it's, it stemmed from a couple of really poor kickouts from Donegal. Um, Patton, ended, he tried to give one short ended in ended that ended up in a goal chance for Stephen Campbell literally 30 seconds later uh Donegal or find or Armagh find themselves in the same position Patton uh is guilty of a drag down he goes off with a black card and then Keelan McGonagall is in for the penalty uh, and Rian O'Neill dispatches it very smart given that there's an outfield player in goals and this game is blown wide open and Donegal really have been the masters of their own downfall off their own kick out it's uh, crazy to see how they've just a couple of minutes of madness have turned this game right on its head and Donegal have a massive uphill battle now they do it's looking like Armagh are going to be the ones now who aren't going to be wanting the half-time whistle but 37 minutes gone now it's Armagh 2-8 Donegal 9 points OK thanks guys 5 point lead for Armagh at the break uh, short ad break and then final thoughts from Shane Keegan and David Connolly in just one second Now then you're welcome Max so final thoughts from Shane Keegan and David Connolly on Ireland's win against Scotland our football coverage is brought to you by Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports Watching the coverage here, David, uh, Ray Houghton was on co-commentary on RTE and a couple of times early on in the game, he was making the point on Parrot that he loves coming short, loves getting touches on the ball, wants to be involved and uh, almost always turned down the opportunity to make a run in behind. And then suddenly the second goal happens and he makes the most beautiful run in behind and you see what he's capable of. So his movement generally, because I'm, I, I'm sure he's still learning his craft. What are you seeing from Parrot? Because it is pretty exciting to have this guy now who is... I mean, whatever's happening at club level, maybe he was built up too much in the first place or maybe, you know, he'll come good eventually. Who knows what his, what his level is? He's still very young. But yeah. what we can certainly say is he has this very nice habit of managing to score for Ireland early on here in his career and he's done yeah. so on important occasions. And that second goal really was quite something. So what are you seeing yeah. from Parrot? Uh, I've seen, I mean, I... I I, um, you know, I know, I know some people at Tottenham. Yeah, I know the the ex uh, academy manager John McDermott, who's now technical director of the FA. But John, I've known since I was eight, and and I used to go into Tottenham quite regularly, you know, and go and watch training and speak to John. And I bumped into Troy, you know, a couple of times. Spoke to Troy when I was there, um, you know, talked to him about himself and his game, and and just little bits and pieces. And he's a really nice, affable guy. You know, I think he is very talented. I think he's under working under a really good coach um at nk dons and you know i think his schooling this season has been really good for him obviously he'll, he'll want to play and, and have a home i think when you're a player who's been on loan from a premier league club like michael Oberfemi, you know now he's signed and he's he's got a home and he can settle down and focus on his football and think well you know what, if i score goals again maybe i can work my way back to that level in time mm. For Troy, that might be something that he has to do in time, you know, because I think it will be hard to break through at Tottenham. But I think he's had a fabulous education there in terms of, you know, the coaching he's got. 
And now he probably just needs to go somewhere for next season, you know, play regularly in a position that front part of the pitch and go and score goals. And, you know, I had to look about how I would get all these players in the team. The only way I can work out to get our, our best players in that team is to play a back four. And, and that, that, that gets you a power Oberfemi or Benny as a front three. It gets you Cullen Malumbi, Brown as a three-man midfield. It gets you Manning or McLean or Stevens as a left-back. It gets you Coleman or Doherty as a, as a full-back and you have two centre-halves. That is how I get all these players in the team. But mm. it means changing shape. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, if I look at where our strengths lie, you know, I think the evolution of this team will be getting the, 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 those, those players in the team in the, the, the top part of the pitch. And, you know, players like Manning, I think Ryan Manning's really, I think he's outstanding footballer. You know, I think in time there will be a place for him, like, like we saw against Belgium, I think, or whatever, Lithuania, you know, he's, he's really good on the ball. Um, but, but as well as the three did yesterday, I think, I, st I still think uh, if it was me, I'd be playing a back four and that's how I'd get my best players in the team. Mm. Shane, what about that? Couldn't see it, Joe. I, 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 couldn't, I, I couldn't see Stephen moving away from the tree at the back at the moment. Whether I would or would, I, pro I probably wouldn't either if I'm if I'm completely honest. Um, I, I think it's it's an absolutely huge summer um, for the Irish international team, Joe, because it's a huge summer for so many of the players. Like there is question marks over almost every Irish player in terms of their club situation at the moment. Um, you go through those, you know, in the start 11 yesterday, those who started either of the other two games, I mean, even start with the keepers and work your way up, both Bazuna, Kelleher, Duffy, I think Coleman, Doherty, Hendrick, Malumbi, Parrish, Robinson, none, not one of those players at this moment in time um, knows that they are a fairly nailed on starter at whatever club they're at or some of them are are even looking to find clubs for themselves um i mean for me the biggest one i know david i think david might have left him out altogether there like i thought callum robinson was ireland's best player in 2021 for me without a doubt i thought he was absolutely outstanding and the one player who consistently showed tremendous quality um Troy Parrott has done excellently he really has but at the moment if, if Callum Robinson can find himself a team where he's back starting um, on a regular basis, Callum Robinson up front with Obafemi, I think, or Orag Bene, I think that that looks, I think that has the potential to be absolutely electric. I think it's so, so important for those players, Joe, over the next over the next month or two. You'd just love to see as many of them as possible find a home where they're, they're going to start the vast majority of games because it's hard to do what... Malumbi did yesterday it's hard to do what Hendrick was trying to do it's so so difficult to come from from no man's land with your club to, to delivering for, for the international side so I think that's the thing I'm going to kind of most have my eyes on over the next while yeah uh, on shape and on uh, tactics and on who we include and don't include all that stuff is obviously very important and that's what the management team will spend hours thinking and talking about but David a simple question why were Ireland so poor on the ball midweek against Ukraine when it came to the basics and then much better yesterday because no tactical innovations are going to surmount players just not being able to do the basics or not being able to deliver quality routinely because all Ukraine did in the main was simple things with efficiency and with, with a bit of tempo and that was enough to outclass Ireland if we're being frank at times yeah, so wh why, the, why the difference in quality I, I, I mean, it's hard. What I would say is that that Ukraine, their three-man midfield, I thought 
is an outstanding three-man midfield in international football. So I, I think we started quite well and then faded. Maybe the early goal, you know, in terms of within 20 minutes helped settle us down, I think, against again, and then quickly followed not long after. The crowd got really behind as well with a going a goal up. So I think that helped with the confidence. But, you know, I think just the shape and where the players were on the pitch, just, just and also the, the changes had an impact. You know, I think the changes had a really positive impact. So, um, you know, I, th I think it's exciting times, you know, and, and I'm pleased that Stephen's come out being pretty bullish. I love the lads being really positive in there. And now we're talking in a, in a, in a, in a sort of a, a really positive manner about where, where, where does it go from here? And there might be a couple more bumps in the road, right? And I think there will be. And, and I, I'll be amazed if too often we'll be playing two central strikers. I, I think it's going to be very difficult to do in, in international football for, for a side like Ireland. But I thought it worked really well against, um, against the Scots with Troy dropping in, you know, linking and things. But I'll be interested to see how often we, we do that. So there's little, little tweaks that will be along the way, I think. Mm. Shane, on that quality point, how do you account for the difference? Well, I thought it was very interesting that Stephen himself brought up in his post-match interview about players getting in each other's passing lanes and getting in each other's way. Mm. Um, and I think with that box four against Ukraine, that was absolutely the case. I think I think Hendrick was more of a, a, a hindrance than a help um, to Josh Cullen, definitely. And then the two players in, in front of that... Um, we just, I, I don't know whether you put the blame on the three centre halves and the two centre mids for failing to get the two tens on it or whether there was a lack of movement from the two tens, but we, we just got so, so little in terms of getting in behind them or getting into the final third in any way possible. I, I don't know why. Like, I suppose Josh Cullen, again, is probably a good lightning rod for um, jokes. He was, he was just very, very good, Jesse, and he just looked off it for a fella that's been so impressive. He looked off it and... I don't really have any more tactical kind of notes yeah. than just to say he, he wasn't himself the other night and I don't know why that was. Yeah, I don't even think it is a great tactical no. issue. I just uh, There was just something off about them the other night. It's like the mysteries of football. It's like, who'd be a coach trying to figure out why? But do you not, do you not yeah. think it was, the, it was the second game in a short space of time? The same players, mm, more or less. Maybe, yeah. You know, and, and it comes back to, you know, freshening it up. I think the, the, they were fresher and they performed with a a bit of, you know, effervescence about them, you know, mm. that youthful, you know, a lot of energy, you know. Um, and and I, I think the two the two games in a short period of time with the same 11 was, uh, you might look back on and, and think again on that. No, you could be right. So then what do you do Tuesday? Yeah, I'd, well, he'll have to change it, won't he? Because, I mean, it looks like Oberfemi will be struggling. Duffy's out. Um, Egan and Cullen have played all three. I doubt they'll play again. You know, so it, it, he'll have some changes that we'll have to make uh, to freshen it up. And yeah, uh, absolutely. So there'll, um, there'll be at least two or three changes, I'd imagine. Four, if not four. Yeah. What's your sense of Tuesday, Shane? You said there's every chance and there is, I think, based on what we saw at the Viva Stadium yeah. uh, with Ukraine having uh, quasi home advantage. There's every chance that they beat Ireland again. And, and, and are we back to the same old conversations or can we be mature enough to accept that maybe at this stage we're not going to win away to Ukraine? Uh, we, we have to be mature enough, Joe. Surely I would have thought, like, yeah, I, I, I would be... Um 
I would be surprised if we managed to take anything from the game. Um, the players that are coming out of the side, unfortunately, are the last the last fellas that you would want coming out of the side. Um, you know, I thought John Egan was very, very good yesterday. Um, like you talk about the 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 difference in the two 18 yard boxes. Like we we had we had four shots from inside the 18 yard box yesterday, Joe. All four were on target. We had five shots against Ukraine from inside the 18 yard box. Only one of them was on target. But if you flip it the other way around, like John Egan's block there um, in the late in the second half where he gets across. I mean that should have been a certain goal for Scotland. I thought he was very very good. Really don't want him dropping out. Really don't want Obafemi dropping out. Um, Look, it's 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 going to be a chance for a couple of other fellas, I suppose. Uh, I'd say Dar O'Shea is 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 probably in line for a start. Um, hard to see. Probably if Ben is fully fit, he probably comes straight back in for Obafemi. I'm not 100% sure, but look, there'll be a few changes. I would put us firmly, firmly second best. I would think going into that. Um, if we can give a half decent account of ourselves, you'd have to be reasonably happy. But like, we just. You know, so we we I would like to think that uh, as a media or as an, an Irish media or whatever that you know that it's not the end of the world if we're beaten on Tuesday night. Let's just roll on and take the the positives or negatives from the overall four rather than just any one game in isolation. Yeah. Um, so to not do the scoreboard journalism thing, David. Mm. Very easily, Ireland could have gifted three goals to Scotland in the first 20 minutes. What do you suspect Stephen Kenny and the management team will be saying about those chances that they just handed up to McGinn, for instance? Yeah, that, I mean, that would be the, the constant refinement. But we, we have seen that in, you know, in in all the games, in a lot of games. You know, obviously they weren't punished the other night. But, mm. we, you know, that is not going to change off the back of, of one game. But it's just the moments within those games where you... You try to play like that, and if it's on, or if it, or if it's not on, um, I, you know, I have a feeling that we might do a little bit better than than people think against Ukraine in this game. I, I have a feeling that that we will, despite of the changes. You know, because now would be the good time to bring in Callum. He's had a couple of cameras. He's, he's had a couple of games. He's dipped out. He might he might come back in. Ogbené come back in. Could be fresh. It could be. You know, you might you might be starting. I don't know. Would, would you start Alan Brown on, on uh, as, a, as a sort of eight, as a 10, as he does for Preston, you know, and, and give him a go in there? Um, and you could play Mulumbi as the single holding midfield player in place of, of Josh Cullen, you know. So I think you, you just move your pawns around a, a different way and hoping for a similar performance. And then just that, that little bit of, of refinement. As long as you've got three in the midfield against Ukraine, I think we'll give them a, a much better game in the middle of the park than we did in the in the, the first one. Okay, Joe. Just yes, on, on on your question there, in terms of like the boys will realistically only have one when you take recovery and then the lead in. The boys will realistically only have one proper training session, yeah. and you're always you've got to decide right what's the key thing to work on. And I think that that playing out from the back a hundred percent has to be it because Scotland were using Hendry or Hanley, and they were they were their midfielders were coming towards them, and they were clipping it over the midfielders straight into the forwards. Whereas Shane Duffy was trying to go straight into those midfielders, and it was just getting turned over and turned over. And I, I would think that's the one thing that they will, will look to work on most in, in that one decent training session they'll have. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting game Tuesday, that's for sure. My thanks to David Connolly and to Shane Keegan. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. 
Cheers, lads. Cheers, guys. We'll have live commentary that game on Tuesday as well. In the GEA, then, second half just getting underway in Clonus, and it's been a topsy-turvy first half. With the second half about to start, it's Armagh 2-8, Donegal 10 points. So a four-point lead for Armagh as things stand. Second half on the way next.